listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Be transitioning from our series called Let's Talk About It to the new series called Let's Look Forward. And what we're about to enter into is the season that most who are a part of liturgical churches know as Advent. And and most think that Advent is a celebration of Christmas, four weeks celebrating the birth of Christ and the the, uh, incarnation narrative. Actually, historically, the season of Advent is not about remembering the first coming of Jesus, it is about looking forward to the second coming because we know that he came once to provide forgiveness for sinners and that he will come again to bring to completion the process of redemption that God started uh, in the garden, I would argue. And so we celebrate a looking forward to the return of Christ. And I thought no better way to look forward to the return of Christ than to take a step backward and look at the past from behind. Because the same things that we will be focusing on in our Advent series were the things that the folks were looking at or the lenses they were looking through when they were waiting on Messiah to come the first time. So we're going to go through those, but before that, I just want to read this passage that Paul wrote. Anytime we have communion, anytime we celebrate at the table together, we always come to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Here's what Paul says. He says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. Christ told me this, now I'm delivering it to you. That the night the Lord Jesus was, when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. But that last phrase is so important, until he comes. You know, Jesus told his disciples on the night that he was betrayed, take, eat, take, drink, for I'll not partake of this again until I come back, until I'm with you the second time. And so what we do at the table is we remember the death of Jesus Christ In our place and for our sin, we remember the body that was broken for us, the body that was brutalized and tortured by the most efficient, torturing government the world had ever known at that time. And we remember how they took him and abused him, how they mocked him and scourged him, how they laid him on a cross and drove nails into his hands and his feet, how they pierced his head with a crown of thorns, all for no fault of his own, but because of our sin, God laid on him the iniquity of you and I. The sin, the brokenness was placed on him. And we remember the death of Jesus 
for our sin, because he loves us in our place. We're careful not to forget that he didn't remain dead, but in God's grace and ability and, and, uh, and eternal plan, he raised God the Son from the dead, never to die again in, in, in glorified fashion, the first fruits of those who also will be resurrected, who by faith trust him as Savior. So we take this time. And we'll do that. And you might wonder, well, who is this for? Is this just for Oasis Church people? Our our desire when it comes to the table is that these elements be exclusive to followers of Jesus. What is a follower of Jesus? It's someone who has recognized their sin. It is someone who has recognized God's love. It's someone who has understood and in their heart believed that Jesus, God the Son, put on flesh so that he might live a sinless life and die for us, therefore paying for our sins. It's for someone who's by faith said, God, I can't save myself, but I need to be forgiven. I need to be made right with you. And I believe that Jesus came to do that very thing for me. If you know Jesus as your savior, if you have confessed him as crucified and risen and living and coming again as king, then this is for you. You say, well, what about our kids? What about kids that, you know, we're not, here's a good rule of thumb. If your kid has been baptized then I hope, I know if they've been baptized here, then we've talked with them and we make sure that they understand what salvation is because baptism is that public display of I'm a follower of Jesus and I want everybody to know and from henceforward, you can call me on the carpet for who I'm claiming to be as a follower of Jesus Christ, a child of God. If they've been baptized here, well, we know that they've understood that. If your kid has been baptized elsewhere, then you just have to be a judge of, does my child know, have they confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior? And if that is the case, then that's what these elements are for. So we're going to celebrate at the table in just a few minutes. But I want to give you a look forward to what we're going to be looking forward to. For the next few weeks, the next five weeks, but we'll have Kids Toast program on the 8th, so come and be ready for that. But for the other weeks before Christmas, we're going to be taking a step backwards into our last series, and we're going to look at those particular topics as starting blocks for us to consider what ultimately Christ is going to bring for those who are his followers. We're going to look at things like peace, security, wholeness and belonging and how that the return of Jesus, the hope we have in Christ's return and the completion of God's plan is ultimately going to bring peace, security, wholeness and belonging in this broken world. And we're going to look through the lens of Advent season, through the lens of longing. We long for the return of Jesus. Waiting is hard for us to do. Some of us are looking forward to Thanksgiving. I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. A couple of weeks ago, I decided I was having no more sugar until Thanksgiving. I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. We're looking forward to Christmas. We look forward to birthdays. We look forward to special occasions. I wonder, are you longing for the return of Jesus?
I wonder if there is a sense in your heart where often you just like John say, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Bring to completion what you started. I'm reminded of John 14, verses two and three, where Jesus said, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, I believe it is, that if, if our hope is only for this life, then we're a people to be pitied because in this life, we won't experience the fullness and completion of that that is to come. I wonder are you longing? They were longing for the Messiah in the season in which he came. In fact, he came and if it were not for the angels to declare, they would have missed him. And they were longing for those promises. Are you longing? We'll look at these topics through the lens of what are we longing for? But we're not just longing, we're also hoping You see, in in those days in the past, they were hoping. Why? Because of what God had said, what he had promised through the prophets, through the scriptures, through the psalm. They were waiting for him, longing, but they were waiting with hope, with confidence in the words of God. Our hope is in, in Christ. And our hope in Christ is confidence in his promise that if I go, I will come again and receive you to myself. And it's a reliance on his spirit while we wait. John chapter 14, verses 16 through 19. Jesus said, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells in you and will be, dwells with you and will be in you. I'll not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you'll see me. Because I live, you also will live. We have a longing because of the brokenness we experience, the brokenness we see around us. We have a longing for Christ to come and bring completion to that that God has started. But we don't long without hope. We have confidence that our longing will see fulfillment. Why? Because of what Jesus says in his word and what his spirit resonates within our hearts. We No, he's coming. That doesn't mean we don't sometimes doubt that he is going to wait and wait and wait, but we know it's coming. They were hoping. We are hoping. What is your hope in? What is the confidence that you have? Is it anything connected to this world? Or is it to the one who has left and has promised to come back? We'll look through the lens of preparation, not only longing and hope, but preparation. What, what do we do? We prepare for his coming. I think about John the Baptist, who after the, the birth and, and early life of Jesus, stood on a rock and said, repent, 
For the kingdom of God is at hand. I am one sent out like a voice in the wilderness, crying out, make preparation for the king. Make preparation for Messiah. We too are to make preparation. John 14, verse number 12. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. I'm leaving and I'm leaving my work with you. And you'll do the things that I do because you love me. He says in verse number 15 of the same chapter, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You'll demonstrate your love for me, not by what you say, not by what you type, but by fulfilling the commands that I've left for you to do. Verse number 20 of the same, 21 of the same chapter says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. John 15 verses nine through 11, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love, remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. We make preparation for the return of Jesus by being obedient to his commands by walking in his way, by loving him through obedience and abiding. We wait, longing, with hope, but we're to be busy. And over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about opportunities for us to walk in the way of Jesus for those who don't know him and for those who are in their most need in this community. So we long We hope, we prepare, and then we embrace the joy that Jesus has promised for both this life and the life that is to come. We embrace the joy through present suffering because eternal joy is to follow. I think about John 15, uh, 9 to 11. I already read it. As the Father loved me, so I've loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. Chapter 16, verse 20, the same book. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will li- uh, weep and lament. Why? Because he's going to be brutalized and crucified. But the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful but your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come, but when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now. Why? Because following Jesus involves suffering. Following the way of Christ involves denying yourself, picking up your cross, and following him. You'll have sorrow now in this life. But I will see you again. 
and your hearts will rejoice. Certainly they rejoiced in seeing the resurrected Jesus three days after his burial, but the joy would be sustained through their reliance on the Spirit and through their willingness to suffer temporarily while they wait on him to come. And no one will take your joy from you even though you're suffering. In that day, you will ask nothing. Uh, in, in, in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of my Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. As we prepare, as we follow in the way of Christ, We'll suffer. It'll hurt. It will feel counterintuitive. Our flesh will say no, but the spirit within us says, to the glory of our Savior. When we ask of the Father whatever is needed to press on through the temporary that we suffer, Jesus has promised he'll give it for his glory. And that our joy might be real today, even as things are breaking around us. Because we know ultimately the fullness of joy is to come. It reminds me of what Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 3 says as a reminder to followers of Christ. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those who have suffered and those who have been laid to rest... Let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance today the race that is set before us. How are we to do that? By looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He despised the shame and is right now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you might not grow weary or faint-hearted. As we move into a season of Advent, we will look through the lens of longing for that that is to come the confident assurance that we have in the promises of God's word and the person of his spirit. We'll look through the lens of preparation. We've got work to do. We've got opportunities before us. Will we take those opportunities or will we simply ignore them? And then we will step into the promise of joy even when we suffer here. Because we know that when Christ returns, our joy will be full and complete. For the next few weeks, we plan to look forward to the return of Jesus as we consider what is still required of us while we wait. And as we wait today, we'll remember what was done for us through tangible elements that we can celebrate with. I'm going to ask our guys that are going to serve today to come forward and why they do. I'll ask that you bow your head and close your eyes.
Father, we thank you for a day that we can be together and just worship you. Be thankful for your son. God, we thank you for the promise that we have to look forward to. We thank you that, uh, that your word is true. We can count on you. We know that you are returning and that while we wait, you will give us whatever is needed to fulfill that that is required of us as representatives of you. God, in these moments, with these elements, we ask that you would prepare our hearts. We ask that you would make us ready.